to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. You're listening to The Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength strategy that can help fix the thoughts, feelings, and actions that can hold you back in life. Today, I'm talking about online therapy. Sometimes I encourage people to reach out to an online therapist, but when I do, I often get a response like, wait, that's really a thing? Or does online therapy actually work? So I thought it'd be helpful to clear up some misconceptions and to talk about the potential pros and cons of seeing a therapist online. Now, full disclosure, I've never provided therapy online before. I've always worked with people as a face-to-face therapist, but I have been an online therapy client. I tested all of the big online therapy sites for a project that we did at Very Well Mind. Essentially, I got to do some undercover journalism I signed up for several online therapy services and spent months testing them all out so I could see for myself what it was like to go to online therapy. We also surveyed other people who use those services too so that we could better understand what they liked, what they didn't like, and what their overall thoughts were about each online therapy site. At first, I was skeptical about whether online therapy was going to be helpful, but I was kind of surprised by some of the things that I learned. Online therapy certainly isn't for everyone, but it did offer some advantages over face-to-face treatment. Before I jump in, though, and share more about my opinions, let me tell you what the research says. For the most part, studies show online therapy is pretty effective. One study from 2018 that was published in Journal of Psychological Disorders found that online cognitive behavioral therapy was just as effective as face-to-face treatment for major depression, panic disorder, social anxiety, and generalized anxiety. There are a few studies that have even found that online cognitive behavioral therapy for depression might be even more effective than face-to-face treatment. But most of those studies look at cognitive behavioral therapy. That's a specific type of therapy that involves teaching people skills that they can practice in between sessions. But not all therapists use CBT. There are other kinds of therapy that might not be as conducive to online treatment. Now, let's talk about how online therapy works. Certainly, all of the online therapy sites aren't created equal. The services varied from site to site. In some cases, you might just find a local therapist who offers telehealth appointments, similar to the way a lot of doctors have started doing that during COVID. It might involve a weekly appointment via video chat that would be really similar to what you'd get in the office. It just takes place over the computer. Or you might sign up with a big online therapy service who offers a whole bunch of different options. For example, you might be able to just use messaging services where you chat with a therapist via email or private messaging. You might never actually see the therapist in real time or over video. You could send messages whenever you want rather than have scheduled appointments. And there were a few online therapy sites that offered phone appointments. So if you're uncomfortable with being seen over video or maybe have kind of slow internet, phone therapy might be an option. The payment from site to site varied as well. Some therapists accept insurance, others have monthly subscription plans, and some are pay-as-you-go, meaning you might just pay for video appointments whenever you schedule them. 
Another big difference between online therapy services were that some sites let you pick which therapist you wanted to work with. Others asked you for some basic information about what you wanted to get out of treatment or the kind of therapist you thought you would work with. And they might offer some suggestions or they might even match you to somebody that their computer algorithm thinks you would work with best. We'll talk more about how to find the best service for you in a minute. But before we do, here are some things I didn't like about online therapy. For most of the online services that I tested, I used messaging services. That meant that the therapist I talked to couldn't observe me. They only knew what I described in my messages. That could be a problem. If someone were depressed, the therapist might not necessarily see the telltale signs of depression that they might see in a face-to-face session. For example, sometimes people with depression have what we call a flat affect, meaning that they are somewhat monotone when they talk, or they might move more slowly. Those are the kinds of things that could go undetected in a messaging service only. Another concern I had was about whether a client had a crisis. What would happen? If I were suddenly experiencing a mental health crisis, my therapist wouldn't know who to call or where to turn. In face-to-face appointments, therapists are usually pretty familiar with local services, like the nearest psychiatric hospital. And most online therapy sites ask you to provide an emergency contact person, but that doesn't necessarily feel quite the same as having somebody who knows what your local services are. Another potential issue was technology. There were a few online therapy sites that we experienced some technological glitches with. The video chat didn't work on one site, and a live chat on another site had a really long lag time, which made the therapy experience pretty bad. There's been a huge rise in online therapy, though, during the pandemic, so I suspect a lot of the technical glitches have been fixed. Another thing I didn't like about online therapy was that at times it was impersonal. One site just had the therapist keep giving me worksheets week after week, but we didn't talk about the worksheets. So I felt like I was doing busy work that really wasn't all that helpful. There was also the issue of timing. One online therapy service would tell me when I could expect a message back from the therapist. It was good to know that the therapist was going to reply, say, within 12 hours. But I often got generic messages like, I'm looking through your email now. I think that the therapists were under pressure to reply in a certain time frame, so they sent generic messages when they didn't actually have time to reply. So that wasn't necessarily all that helpful. And sometimes when I used messaging services, the therapist couldn't remember who I was. They got my details mixed up with other people, which again, wasn't the best experience. I also think some people might struggle writing about themselves. I happen to be an author and I enjoy writing. But someone who doesn't like to write or someone who knows they're going to worry a lot about their grammar or punctuation might find that messaging services distract them from being able to talk about the actual issues. When it comes to writing, some people might censor themselves too. In the therapy office, conversations are often quite raw. I ask a question and the client answers. But if you're going to message a therapist, you might find that you reread what you just wrote and you might make a lot of changes to what you said the therapist then might only get the edited version of what you're really thinking or feeling. And in most research studies have found that the type of therapy that the therapist uses actually isn't all that important in the outcome. Instead, the number one indicator about how likely you are to get better from therapy has to do with the relationship you have with your therapist. If you trust your therapist and you respect their advice, there's a much better chance that you'll get better. That's tough to do when you're just messaging somebody only hard to form that therapeutic relationship. But of course, you might have regular video appointments with a therapist too. That could make it seem more personal and you might feel more like you're establishing a relationship. And another tough issue might be having private conversations 
when you're doing therapy from home. If you have roommates or you live with your family, you might have trouble finding a space where you can talk openly without anybody overhearing you. And sometimes there's the concern too that somebody else might open the therapy app on your phone or if they're staring over your shoulder when you're typing in the computer, you might not feel comfortable talking. I also heard from people during the pandemic who said that they felt like they couldn't talk to their therapist because they were in situations of domestic violence. Maybe it wasn't safe to have these conversations from home. So those were some of the drawbacks. But let me talk about the potential benefits that online therapy has over face-to-face treatment. I absolutely love the convenience. I didn't have to schedule appointments or waste time driving to the therapist's office. Instead, I could message the therapist whenever I wanted. I didn't have to wait a whole week to tell my therapist something either. I could message every day, and I usually got a response the same day, unless it was the weekend. I also liked that I didn't even have to give my real name. I could just pick a nickname. So if you're concerned about being anonymous or you don't want to have a mental health diagnosis attached to your medical record, online therapy might be a good solution. For the most part, online therapy is more affordable too. There were monthly subscription services that made it pretty affordable compared to -to face-to-face treatment. Another big plus was that I had access to specialists all over the country. Sometimes in rural areas, it's hard to find a therapist who specializes in something specific. But when you turn to online therapy, it opens the door to lots of different options. So while most therapists are used to treating common issues like depression or anxiety, sometimes it's tough to find an online therapist, or sometimes it's tough to find a therapist in general who specializes in something more specific. I appreciate that most conditions can be treated online. You can get help for lots of mental health issues or substance abuse issues as well. And some sites offer couples therapy and even family therapy. And one big advantage of online couples therapy is that each partner doesn't have to be in the same place. So if a couple's in a long distance relationship, they can still get online therapy. So those are some of the pros and cons of online therapy. It certainly works well for some people, but it's not for everyone. If you think that online therapy might be a good fit for you, give it a shot. But shop around to find the online therapy option that looks like it would be the best fit. If you want some help figuring out which one could be the best fit, go to verywellmind.com. We rated and reviewed all the major online therapy sites. We surveyed people about what they liked and what they didn't. And we evaluated them in all sorts of categories. We even gave out awards for different things like the best site for online family therapy, the best overall value. So check it out and discover which services might be the best fit for you. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.